Welcome to Running Up the Score. I am Alex Kennedy. This is my show that airs every Tuesday and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. For those of you guys that watch this show, you know I am based just outside of Orlando, home of maybe the hottest team in the NBA right now and maybe the coolest storyline in the NBA. So I had to rep the magic today, wear the Paolo Franz NBA Jam shirt, and talk some magic. And who better to join me to talk about this Orlando Magic team than my buddy, Philip Rossman Reich, who is the Orlando Magic Daily Site editor and the host of the Locked On Magic podcast. This team has been so much fun. Philip, how are you? I am doing good. It's it's nice to like have a team that's winning games. Like that's 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 been strange for the last decade or so. You and I were at the game, uh, the win over Boston, uh, and there have been a few games this year where like the the energy in the building is just different. And you and I kind of look at each other and we're like, man, it kind of feels like back at that finals team with Dwight, Richard, Hedo, you know, it's for the first time in a while, these fans who have been super loyal and haven't really had a whole lot to cheer for. They're very pumped. And you can tell that this is kind of a different, it's a special atmosphere in that, in that building. What are your thoughts on kind of just the vibe around this team, not only in the locker room, but also just like among the fan base? Yeah. I mean, obviously for, for the fans, it's, it's been a long time coming. And, and, you know, I I remember back in 2019 when the magic had the 22 and nine kick to, to finish seventh in the East. And, you know, there was a five-game homestand there that the Magic swept through. They won all five games, a big part of how they made the playoffs that year. And Steve Clifford said, I think after one of those games, like that energy in the building, that's what this fan base can do. And, and, and you, you know, think about it, you know, guys like Nikola Vucevic, who had been there for six, seven years, you know, Evan Fournier, who'd been there for five, six years, Aaron Gordon, those guys, they had never really felt that. And, and I would honestly say, like, as much energy as there was in the building for those teams – it feels double for this team. There, there is, you know, as much as I know we're going to talk about Jamal Mosley here, as much as there's this, a lot of this buy-in to what Jamal Mosley's teaching from, from the players, there's just as much buy-in from the fans. Like everyone can feel that there's something here. Like, do we know exactly what it is? Do we know what its ceiling is yet? No, probably not. But there's something here to get excited about. And, and last year, you know, I think we could chalk some of it up, you know, whatever energy there was, a little bit up to the curiosity of having the first overall pick and, and the magic did really well, especially for how much that team had struggled historically and how much that team was struggling, especially early in the season. Everyone I think that went to the games, especially as the season went on saw that, Oh, there's something here. And, and you know, I've just been kind of thinking about it a little bit. There really is nothing more exciting than a team that is just discovering its potential, like, or it's just starting to turn potential energy into kinetic energy to use, to use some science terms. Like, this team isn't just, oh, they're going to be good a few years down the road. It's, oh, they're good now, and they probably don't realize how good they are or how good they can be. And so it's just all vibes and all fun right now. And you can you can feel it every time you step into the Amway Center. Yeah, it's not just potential. It's also, wow, we're the second seed in the Eastern Conference, and there's just tons of hope. And then also, you just have these personalities on this team, too. Like when Jalen Suggs and uh, or, uh, Nikola Jokic got into that scuffle, and then they beat Denver, I mean, the building erupted. Like, you know, people like Cole Anthony that just get the fans fired up with some of their big shots and then, uh, you know, yelling at the crowd and stuff like that. It's a really cool, fun team. Even, you know, Cole and Jalen kind of connecting for that uh Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, uh, recreation dunk. Like it's, it's not just a really talented young team. It's a really fun, ex- electrifying, energetic team. So yeah, I think, uh, it's a great time to be a magic fan right now. They've won nine of 10 games. Um, I, one thing I've been hearing a lot and seeing on Twitter is, Oh, you know, can they sustain this? Is it a fluke? But I think what people don't realize is this team, once they got healthy last season, they had some really key wins you know, they they beat the Celtics multiple times. They 
uh, beat the Nuggets. There were a lot of these like you know teams that were top teams in both conferences that they were knocking down last year. Even the year before, they beat the Warriors. Uh, I think Steph Curry was out that game, but they've had like big wins and they've shown potential. Golden but, State hasn't won at the Amway Center since like 20, 2018. Like it's it like they they yeah they beat, they beat good teams. That's the thing. They've been beating good teams for a while. And then if you look at like the second half of last year, they looked like a really good team. So I don't think that people who maybe are just tuning in for the first time, they're thinking, okay, it's been what, a couple games, but this seems like a continuation of what we saw last year and kind of building off of last year. Can you kind of speak to that and and why you think maybe they can sustain this success? Yeah, I, 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 I think a lot of people kind of forget that the magic flew the magic flew just very under the radar last year you know they started the year five and 20 they had injuries to all their guards you know marco fultz jalen suggs cole anthony were all out for a good chunk of those first 25 games but after that five and 20 start they went 29 and 28 so that's nearly three quarters of the season 57 games where they were playing 500 basketball and you know that obviously is a small goal but for a team that won 22 games the year before for a team that you know, hadn't really won consistently to make that kind of a leap is a pretty big step. Like that's the, you know, honestly, like I think the expectation this year was that the magic would just kind of prove that they can be a 500 team or a a round of 500 team for a full 82 game season. That it wouldn't just be that, you know, significant, but smaller sample size, 57 games. But the thing is everything that the magic and the magic on top of this, were the last team eliminated from the Eastern Conference playoffs last year. They, you know, the Pacers, Pacers, you know, went down, but went down before them. The Magic were the last team that had a chance to get in. And I'll grant you, they never got closer than three games uh, in that. So there's definitely a hump that they needed to get over. But in those final 57 games last year, the Magic were sixth in the league in defensive rating. So from December 7th to the end of the season, the Magic were a top 10 defensive team. They have taken that into overdrive this year. They're, they're fourth right now after a couple bad performances over the last week, but they are very clearly at least a top 10 defense if they maintain some maintain things this year. They're probably going to end up being a top five defense. And when you look at teams that – you look at young teams, um, typically that's the part they struggle with. That's the part that they can't figure out how to keep going. And, you know, the Magic have their weaknesses. You know, I think like uh, I think there's a very good point that a lot of people are making is like, okay – now they got to prove they, they swept through the Amway Center, had a six game, uh, six game homestand, swept through that. That's hard to do. That doesn't happen very often. Um, but uh, they got to prove they can travel. They got to prove they can take it on the road, that they can that they can def- they can defend at a high level on the road, which they've proven they can do. Actually, they got to prove they can score on the road, which has been the bigger the bigger struggle for them. They got to they got to continue to prove themselves that, you know, you're not you're not you don't have anything in this league until you prove it and, and prove it over and over and over again. It's about consistency. And so. That's what young teams typically struggle with, but defense usually travels. Defense is usually consistent. Defense is usually the toughest thing to teach a young team, and that's the foundation for this group, and that's why it really feels like, you know, yeah, the Magic probably aren't going to finish second in the East, but it feels like they are a legitimate playoff team right now. Yeah, that's the way I view it, too. It's interesting. Whenever players come through Orlando, I usually am in the visiting locker room or the visiting press conferences, and you just hear all these coaches and players just rave about Jamal Mosley and Orlando's defense. And I remember Jalen Brown last year, he was like, this is a really tough team. They're so physical. They're so long. They're, they make you work for everything. And you can just tell guys are annoyed <laughs> or frustrated after having to play these guys because you work for everything. And, and there's always hands and, and limbs in the passing lanes. And um, it's a really tough team to match up against. Um, 
but Mosley gets so much credit just because you, you mentioned him earlier. He has created this culture. You know, he always talks about uh, not only, you know, kind of getting these guys to play great defense and the hustle plays and the effort, but also, you know, how this team is very accountable to one another. Uh, and he's really kind of created like a family close knit type bond amongst this team uh, to the point that, you know, Cole Anthony gets his extension and everyone goes out and celebrates. And, you know, you don't see that other team sometimes because they're all kind of fighting over the same ca- salary cap money. Um, it seems like everyone's rooting for each other. And it reminds me of some of these other young teams we've seen over the years that kind of come up together. And it almost feels like a college program where everyone's rooting for each other and really close. Can you kind of speak to the culture and just this defense and, and kind of what they've built or what Mosley's built? Yeah. I mean, first off, you know, we, we, we spoke to Jamal Mosley today after he won coach of the month and, like he came up to the to the press gaggle, just kind of bowed his head and just was like dreading the question about him. Like he he does not want anything to be about him. Whenever you ask him about his decisions or the work that he's done, he'll always say, you know, I got to give credit to my coaching staff. You know, they they you know they they put these guys in, in a great position. That selflessness that 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 Jamal Mosley displays, I think that's that's really the culture that this team's about. Like he. He, you know, we were at practice on Monday and he's, you know, doing on-court drills with Paolo Bancaro. Like he's, he's with Paolo running pick and running pick and rolls, you know, fighting through screens from other coaches. And he comes to us dripping sweat players. You know, that's who Jamal Mosley is. He, you know, he was an assistant coach. He was a player development guy uh, for 14 years before he became a head coach. He's, you know, working with, uh, I believe it was with uh, Byron Scott and Mike Brown in, in, in Cleveland. He worked with Rick Carlisle, obviously in Dallas. That's who he is at his core. And I think what's been really impressive about him is that emphasis on relationships, of getting to know guys, of working with guys, of giving, giving them some individual attention as the head coach. That's, that's kind of the center of this whole project. And so he gives a lot of himself to his team, and then they give a lot of themselves to each other. And, and I think that's, that's such a big part of what's worked. Um, I give Jamal Mosley a lot of credit. You know, it's been a, it's been a decade-long rebuild here in Orlando since Dwight Howard left. And, you know, it's very clear the coaches that work, that have worked here, and there's been few, there's been few of them, uh, whatever moments that worked, they all always had like a clear vision of what the team was going to be. And so not only is Mosley kind of putting the work in and putting the sweat equity in with his players in a lot of ways, he also has a very clear vision for what they want to be. And that, that starts with the defense. You know, we talked about the length and how physical they play. Um, that is who the Magic are. They haven't hit. They haven't hidden from that. Even when things were really bad early in his tenure, when they were too young to really know what they were doing, they were still working toward that. And and I give Jamal. You know, he won't take the credit, but I will give him a lot of the credit for having this clear vision of what the team's going to be and keeping the faith in this group that hey, keep doing these things and it's going to all turn out okay. That vision is is starting to come to fruition. One of the reasons that I've been so high on this core for the last year has been because there's not many teams out there that have two 6'10", 6'11", creators, guys that can create for themselves and others. You know, Paolo and Franz are exactly that. And both of these guys just look so special. Uh, you know, we we knew that Paolo has this crazy upside and could be, you know, eventually a superstar level player. I was admittedly not as high on Franz when he came out. I thought he'd be more like a defensive specialist and he exceeded all my expectations. I've been so impressed with his development and what he's shown. I think both of these guys kind of playing the World Cup was big for them and and helped them with their confidence. And, and it's just really fun to see these guys continue to make huge strides. What are your thoughts on that duo and kind of the one-two punch that they can kind of become going forward? <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting. I mean, it, it it's certainly something the Magic have never done. Like the Magic, typically when they built, they built around the center. You know, Shaq, Dwight. You know, they had a little bit of T Mac, but we didn't get to see him with Grant Hill. Um, it, it's it's hard to figure out how do you you know how do you make these two players who maybe play the same position like complement each other really well and. You know, a lot of that starts with them and, and how selfless they are. You know, I think a lot of people early in the season this year were really frustrated with Paolo um, because the scoring was down. And I was watching, I was like, no, no, no. The problem is he's the scoring's all there. The problem is he's trying to be really unselfish. Like he's trying yeah. to move the ball a little bit. And, you know, his assists are up to nearly, I think they're at four and a half per game or around that mark. Turnovers are up a little bit too because he's a second year player. He's a 21 year old trying to figure out how to play in the NBA. Um, these are two young guys still figuring things out. And the fun part is they're figuring, they're figuring it out, but they still want to do right by the team. You know, you know, typically, you know, I, I know I've been obsessed with and thinking about a lot. Okay. How does Paolo become a star? And, and part of that is he's got to make some mistakes. He's got to figure out what a good shot is. He's got to figure out how to face double teams and beat those. And you're going to make mistakes when you're seeing those for the first time. Um, but really what's kind of been fascinating to watch with him, especially is his decision of how I become a star is I'm going to get everyone else involved. I'm going to show that I'm a great passer. You know, the magic, you know, I, I know we have it on our list to talk about Mar- about not having Markel, but one of the things that's happened with Markel Fultz out is the magic have essentially run Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner as their point guards. And, and Wagner yeah. has the opposite problem where he's sometimes too passive. And so now he's trying to take more shots and, and figure out what a good shot is for him and how to set up his shots off the dribble a little bit more. Um, there's still a lot of experimenting going on. And so, you know, what ultimately I think works about this team as a whole is your two central players, Paolo, Paolo and Franz, they don't have a position. Like they're forwards, but they're point guards. They, you know, they're <laughs> shooting guards now that Paolo is shooting, shooting the ball so well. You know, the, Paolo can play some center, some center in small ball lineups. Um, what the Magic are going for, you know, a lot of people think talk about positional versatility. I think the Magic are going for skill versatility. They want guys who do things that are not typical for players of their size. You know, uh, you know, Jalen Suggs plays at least two inches taller than he is because he's such a rabid defender. Paolo Bancaro is a, a, can play some point guard, and we're seeing him play some point forward or whatever you want to call it. Franz can bring the ball up and, and initiate offense too. Cole Anthony is probably the best rebounding six foot three guard in the league in a, in a very very long time. Like they have guys who just fill in wherever the team is needed. And that just is meant to keep defenses off balance. And, 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 and obviously defensively, that means you can switch. You can do a bunch of different coverages to keep teams off balance and, and use your size and length and physicality to really make it hard to operate. And, you know, the versatility that Paolo and Franz bring and their selflessness, honestly, is really at the heart of all that. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Prize Picks. If you haven't tried daily fantasy sports on Prize Picks, you're missing out. You pick two to six players and whether they'll score more or less points than their prize pick projection. If you're right, you win big. You can win 25 times your money on any entry. At prize picks, you aren't competing against other people, which might include experts and sharks. It's just you versus the projections. Prize picks offers projections on virtually every sport NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, and more. You can mix and match players from different sports, so you could have Steph Curry and Patrick Mahomes in the same entry, for example. If you download Prize Picks today and use the promo code RUNNING, they'll double your deposit up to $100. That is the promo code RUNNING, and they will match your deposit up to $100. It takes 30 seconds or less to build a lineup. To show you how easy it is, I'm going to build an entry right now. 
All right, we're on prize picks. Let's go over to the NBA. Since this is an Orlando Magic episode, I'm going to go with Paolo Bancaro. Let's go more than 19.5 points against Cleveland. And then let's go over to the NFL for our other pick here. I'm going to go more than 60.5 rushing plus receiving yards for Jalen Warren against New England. Let's do a $20 entry, place entry. Boom, we're good to go. We're entered. Thanks to PrizePix for sponsoring this episode. Use that promo code RUNNING and they will match your first deposit up to $100. That is the promo code RUNNING and they will match your first deposit. Let's get back to the interview with Phil. I think it's a perfect way to kind of build for today's NBA, though. It seems like it's going to fit really well in, in this modern NBA. You know, I think it's a great breakdown of kind of how it works. And we hear so much about like positionless basketball, but you're right. The skills are really important, too. And I don't know. I think it's a, it's a great way to kind of build your team today. You mentioned Fultz being out. They also don't have Wendell Carter Jr., that's not really being talked about a whole lot when you when you look at this recent stretch. I mean, I, I think I tweeted something after the Nuggets win and then uh, the Celtics win, or after the back-to-back wins. Like, how many teams could be down two starters and beat two of the best teams in the NBA? Uh, it's really impressive, and it shows, I mean, it's, it's a testament to their depth and the other guys stepping up, obviously. But what do you make of the fact that they're doing this without those two guys, and how much better can this team be when they are at full strength? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think it's a testament to their depth. Um, you know, the Magic have not always been the deepest team. And and I think part of their success this year is they have 10, 11, maybe 12 guys that they are very comfortable playing and, and could fit into any lineup. And honestly, I think one thing that they've done really well is, you know, it's kind of the old Spurs model where, you know, guys out, you don't disrupt the rotation. So, you know, they bring in, you know, Cole Anthony off the bench, Mo Wagner, who's just been a scoring revelation. You know, they have Jonathan Isaac, who, you know, is an ace defender off the bench and kind of locks you down. You know, Joe Ingles is just a quintessential veteran that just knows what he's what he's doing. Uh, and, and so I think that I think that depth is something that a lot of teams don't have. You know, I think the Magic lead the league in bench scoring this year. Um, and so it, that's been kind of a superpower for this team. Like the starters, you know, are good. Like they're they're still a positive net rating, but they really, you know, in years past, you know, those second and fourth quarters are where the Magic kind of lost the plot a little bit because, you know, either they were stretched too thin without injuries or they were relying on some younger players. Now they come in, they bring in a, a lot of a lot of guys that know what they're doing and and really maximize and, and maximize those minutes and maximize those roles. But obviously there's just there's so much there's so many ways this team can get better, you know. Goga Batadze has been a fantastic option at, at center. He's a, he's a great defender. We knew that coming into the season, uh, but he, you know, he and Anthony Black really don't give you much offensively. You know, the Magic's whole goal, I think, with their starting group right now, is let's establish what we're going to be able to do defensively. Let's really lock down defensively, and as we start to filter in some of the bench players, that's when we start hitting the offensive overdrive because we've already set the tone defensively. And you know, Anthony Black and Goga Batadze have done a great job of that, but they don't really give you much offensively. So you add in a Wendell Carter, you know, he can be a hub. You know, we I talk, again, talk about skill versatility. He's a better passer than I think people give him credit for. Is he like Nikola Jokic good? No, no one is. Um, <laughs> but he's a better passer and certainly a great screener in, in way, in, in a lot of ways. And he can stretch out to three point line and he can dive to the, to the rim. He just gives you the, a, another way to attack. Uh, and obviously this is despite how well the magic played offensively lately, um, this is still an offensively challenged team. Uh, you know, Markel Fultz is another guy that can just kind of subvert the, the defense a little bit where he, you know, you, 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 you play him to drive, but he still takes the space that you give him 
and he can squeeze the ball into tight corners uh, when, when, when he gets there. When he gets there, it's just another guy who has an offensive mind that, that is trying to score, and, and that is something the Magic are missing right now. We've seen some slippage lately uh, with that starting group, so you know certainly the Magic can get a lot better. And obviously, you know everyone now has an eye on April a little bit and, and thinking about okay, what are we going to need to do to, to beat a defense that knows everything we're trying to do? Um, that's kind of what the Magic are starting to prepare for, and obviously you need kind of all hands on deck for that. I feel bad for Markel because I remember at media day, he was saying, this is my first off season I've had where I've been completely healthy. He's like, you know, the best is yet to come. I'm going to have a breakout year. And then he gets injured. So, um, but I've been impressed with him throughout his time in Orlando. You know, he's become a pest on defense where, you know, just like Jalen Suggs and some of these other guys, like he's willing to pick up defender or pick up uh, opponents full court and uh, get his hand in the passing lanes. And, you know, he's really stepped up defensively. And then I think his confidence seems better too. You know, he's pulling up from mid range. He's attempting threes, which, you know, we obviously hadn't seen before that. It seems like he's making strides and like, eventually I know a lot of people think of Markel. They think about the Philly stint and maybe they haven't watched him in a while, but he's had, you know, some really interesting strides. I think once he comes back, he could be a really key piece for this team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people forget that part. You know, this year he struggled a little bit. Like the the three-pointer hasn't been there. He's been a little more hesitant to take threes. You know, he's dealing with left knee tendonitis right now in the knee that that required uh, ACL surgery a couple of years ago. So I think there's just a lot of caution. Uh, And they've been bringing him back slowly. Like there's very little you can do with tendonitis other than let the inflammation go down. So it's just like a kind of got to throw your hands up and just let his body take care of himself. But really... I look, I look at Markel's season from the all-star break to the end of the season last year, which is about a year after he came back from surgery. And uh, like what I've always been told about ACL injuries is it takes almost a full year to get back on the court and then almost a full year to regain where you were before the injury. Um, from the all, But you look at his numbers from the all-star break to the end of the season, he was averaging like 15 and a half points per game, six and a half assists per game. He was shooting those pull-up threes. He, he looked explosive. Like people forget – Markel Fultz was just a dynamic finisher at the rim, just an explosive dunker. Um, he had a lot of just crazy plays. He's a really creative finisher. Um, he has great touch in the mid-range. He's an excellent mid-range jump shooter, uh, especially off the dribble, which I, you know, I think probably just eases you know, pressure off his shoulder, which is, you know, t- you know the thoracic outlet syndrome doesn't go away. You just manage it. Um, so there is definitely an eagerness to see Markel get back to that level. And, and obviously, you know, health, you know, your best ability is availability and, and health has been the biggest issue with him. But, you know, I, I think people are, I think people still really underestimate what Mark Fultz can provide this team. Yeah. And I think uh, last year when he was out, obviously that's when they had the, the really poor stretch at the beginning of the year. He was part of that uh, group that was out. Uh, but I think this year, the fact that Jalen Suggs has stepped up, the fact that you have Anthony Black, it's made things a little bit easier. Um, but what are your thoughts on that backcourt? Because there's been a lot of talk once Anthony Black got drafted, there was talk of, okay, who's the odd man out? You can't have Fultz, Suggs, Anthony, and Black. And I think there was even a quote, I want to say Anthony Black talked to Yahoo or something like that, and he had said something along the lines of, they had told my camp they're going to make a trade, or there was some kind of comment about the backcourt's going to change, and it's not going to be everyone here. So I think, you know, I know during the offseason, a lot of Magic fans were wondering, is there going to be a move, kind of what's next? And also, a lot of these guys, Anthony... Markel, Jalen, they're very similar. So I think the thought was, you know, do they need to go out and find someone that can provide more spacing or more of a complimentary type guard or a different piece altogether? Not a guard, obviously, but move one of the guards for more complimentary piece and some spacing. What are your thoughts on on that backcourt situation? And do you think they will stick with all these guys or could you see them making a move? 
Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a big question. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, I remember looking at that draft and, and thinking, you know, Anthony Black was not the perfect fit. You know, like there, there are other needs on the roster that, that would have guaranteed maybe a path to playing time and, and, and filled more immediate needs. You know, like I was big on, well, you know, you can't trust Jonathan Isaac to play. That's that's no one's fault. That's just how it is. You know, you need to cover for yourself there. You need to cover for, you know, Wendell Carter has ever played more than 67 games in a season in his career. So you need to be prepared for him to miss 15 to 20 games. And obviously he's missed uh, however many games he's missed now. It's, it's getting, it's getting up there. Like it's getting, yeah. to, getting to that 15, 20 mark that, that I feared. Uh, so there are definitely a lot of more immediate needs than the backcourt. However, you know, I still think when you're drafting that high in the draft, you got to take the best player available. You know, you still got to take your guy and, you know, black very much fits what the magic believe in and their philosophies about things. Uh, Look, he's. Uh, I, I know he isn't putting up the crazy numbers uh, that that you want to see from top rookies, and I'm not here saying he's a top, you know, one of the best rookies in the league right now. But he's a very good defender. You know, he he. The Magic have put him on Luka Doncic on at times. They put him on Zach Levine at times, and he holds his own. So he's already a very advanced defender, and that that obviously fits their their mo and what they want. But at the end of the day, I I think part of that draft philosophy and, and part of the team building philosophy was the magic weren't sure how far along in the process they were. Um, you know, at the end of the day, when you're still kind of in rebuilding mode, you think let's just get talent. We can figure out where everything fits later. Um, now sitting at 14 and six second in the Eastern conference through the first quarter of the season, you know, regardless of where the magic finish at this point, like we could clearly see this is a playoff team. And so the magic do, I think need to start thinking about, okay, what do we actually need to fit around our key guys? And, and I think that is a fair question to ask. Um, the magic with their guard situation, you know, you look at Jalen Suggs, like Jalen Suggs has turned himself into a nice shooter, but his value is he is the heart and soul of this team's defense. If you watch any magic game, um, if you have not watched the magic at all this season, take a moment during whatever game you're watching, whether it's, you know, Wednesday against Cleveland Maybe Friday against Detroit isn't the best example. Uh, Wednesday against Cleveland, next Monday against Cleveland. They play the Celtics next weekend. Um, just watch Jalen Suggs on defense for a few possessions and just see how hard that dude works and how much his energy like radiates out to everyone. Like, like if you would have asked, you know, I would have told you before the season, like this was a make or break season for Jalen Suggs. If he wants to be part of this team's future, he's got to prove himself. I would probably sit here and tell you like Jalen Suggs is about as untouchable as any player, you know, outside of Paolo and Franz. Jalen Suggs might be as untouchable as, as anyone uh, on the roster. That's how important he's become. The Magic obviously just re-upped Cole Anthony uh, with off his, rookie, off his rookie contract for three more years. Um, and so it does feel like there has to be an odd man out. It does feel like the Magic need to add some shooting to that, to that starting lineup. Um, you know, we're going to find out in the playoffs just how much the Magic's poor shooting or like lack of three-point attempts in general is going to end up, could end up hurting them. Um, and so it does feel like, especially with the injury now, that Marco Fultz might be the odd man out. He's a free agent this summer. Um, you know, and so just the reality of the contracts is, is that near, you know, is Mark, you know, I think, and I think this is a question that has to be asked. And I think it's a question that Marco Fultz deserves the opportunity to answer before you make any final decisions. Like I'm not, I'm not anticipating magic doing anything crazy at the trade deadline. Um, just because I think they like this group. They want to let this group grow. They want to let this group figure things out, kind of have this season for them before they start tinkering and saying, okay, like this is our baseline. We're the sixth seed. We lost in five games or six games. How do we get to the next level? Like 
I think they want to see every they want to see and evaluate everything before they start tinkering and moving pieces around. Uh, but they got to ask themselves: Is a Markel Fultz, who is a reluctant three point shooter who is not defended as a three point shooter, is that the right point guard to maximize what you have in two potential all stars in Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner? That is a fair question to, a- to ask, and and I think that's why at this point it feels like Markel might be the odd man out. But like I said, I, I think he has earned the equity and earned the opportunity to prove that he can or cannot be without anyone making decisions for him. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think that's the big thing that I've been saying since last year, just like the spacing and three-point shooting is going to be the most important thing. How do you find that? We saw they signed Joe Ingles in the offseason, but he really hasn't been shooting a lot. He's been more of like a facilitator, coach on the floor type guy. You know, I think a lot of Magic fans heard the name Ingles and thought, oh, he's going to be putting up a bunch of threes per game and, and it's going to you know, provide that spacing. And he still does, you know, Teams worry about him as a shooter because he's Joe Ingles, but the shooting really hasn't been there as much. Um, you know, really, it's been Gary Harris and you know Cole Anthony and and you know it, you mentioned Jalen Suggs at times. Yeah. It's 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 gonna it's gonna be interesting. This is a you know this is something I'm kind of watching and a question I'm uh, you know hoping to answer. But like Paolo Bancaro, we're 20 games into the season. Paolo Bancaro is shooting 42, 43 percent from three. Uh, Jalen Suggs is up at 36, 37 percent. Like they're still defended as if they're not shooters. Uh, yeah. And so at some point, defenses are going to adjust or, or defenses are going to, you know, defenses are going to get burned enough times to say, we got to worry about those guys from beyond the arc. We got to give them a little bit of gravity. But the, the, honestly, like the bigger issue for the Magic is they're not a three-point shooting team at all. Like their percentage is low, which is fine, uh, but they also don't take very many threes. I think they're at like 20, they were at 31 Per game last year, I think that was 27th in the league. They're at like 28, 29, 30 this year. And I really thought they needed to bump that up to about 35 to, to, to help make up some of the three-point math. They get away with it, uh, and 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 they know they're not a three-point shooting team, so they're not necessarily hunting those threes. But it's really tough in this modern, like, sped-up NBA not to be uh, a team that's a threat from three-point line. And, and especially when we get to the playoffs, that's going to be a problem. If you watch a lot of Magic games – they're probably zoned more than any team in the league. And then they do okay against the zone, but they'll, they, they still go through droughts where like they can't shoot over. They can't break that zone down because no one's afraid of their shooting. So there's at least five feet in the paint at all times. And that's, that's tough for them. So last question for you, where do you see this magic team going from here? Um, you know, I, I had a uh, Evan Sidery on the show recently and he was like, could we see Orlando cash in some of their assets for a Zach Levine? And I was like, I really don't think they're going to look to do anything like that. There was the rumor in the offseason that they made a call about Damian Lillard. Um, but I think they they like this core, like you said. I can't imagine they're going to make any moves. If anything, they'd make moves in the fringes probably, trying to add a shooter or you know a role player, guys like that. You also have two lottery picks. You mentioned Anthony Black, but also Jet Howard, who's kind of waiting in the wings and you know hasn't really gotten much of an opportunity yet. Um, I, I can't see this being a team that just, you know, cashes in a bunch of chips for a piece going forward. Um, but when you look at kind of this team going forward, whether it's just internal development or, um, you know, giving that this group time or again, making some moves on the fringes, what are your thoughts on kind of what we can expect from them rest of season and then in the foreseeable future? Yeah. You know, I think, I think for the rest of the season, their goal is going to be to kind of maintain the core group. Like, you know, there's there, I know, I know Hoops Hype had the thing about some teams put some put some calls into for Chuma Okeke, who's out of the rotation. They didn't pick up the last year on his play on his rookie contract. He's probably on the way, you know, he's probably on the way out. Like 
Like, I think, you know, I think that's pretty easy to see, you know, maybe, maybe the biggest thing they do is a Gary Harris trade. He's on the last year of his deal. He's kind of struggling with the shot, you know, getting him out of the rotation might free up some time for Jet Howard, but by the, you know, the way I've kind of always approached the trade deadline this year, regardless of where the magic were in the standings is I don't see Orlando making a move to quote unquote, save the season. Like, you know, conceptually when the season started, I was like, okay, they're going to be fighting for the nine or 10 spot. They're going to be fighting for a play in spot. They're not going to go out and just make a move to make sure they get the nine, 10 spot. They're going to do something that's going to help the team long-term at the end of the day, they're still in a long-term project trying to figure out, okay, how do we get to the championship? Like that's, that's where they're trying to go. And ultimately the only way they're going to figure out what they need is to make the playoffs. Um, They need to, like I've been joking with people, they need to go face Milwaukee in the first round of a playoff series and lose by five, lose in five games, you know, <laughs> not, not get swept. I don't want that, but, but they need, they need to get into a playoff series, you know, even now, like get into a four or five series with the Knicks or the Cavs and really figure out what you need. Um, And, and the way I've been kind of concept, telling people this is the, the magic are at the stage where they don't know what they need quite yet. You know, yes, they need shooting. We all know like the obvious stuff is obvious, but yeah, they don't quite know how far along Paolo and Franz are. And frankly, Paolo Bank, you know, Paolo Bank, Carol and Franz Wagner are really the only two players that are that important. Like they're the superstar players. They're the guys you're building. around. They need to know what they need to work on. They don't even know how good they are. They don't even know what they need to be better at. And the only way they're going to learn and the only way the magic are going to learn what they need is to get into a playoff series and have those flaws exposed. Um, A playoff series, especially against veteran coaches, against veteran teams, expose your every flaw. That's the beauty of the playoffs. And the Magic are at a developmental stage where they just need to experience that pressure and they need to be able to go to go, go into the offseason saying, okay, this is why we lost our playoff series. Is this something we can fix internally or is this something we have to go externally to get? And so, uh, you know, there may be a move to add a veteran shooter at the trade deadline, that wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't expect anything big. This this is not a Magic team that's going to make a huge splash on the trade market this year. They have all the pieces to do so in the very near future, but I don't think the Magic are ready to push all their chips into the table. I think they're ready and willing to slow play this mm-hmm. and let their young stars show them the way and show them what they need. And, and that's, that's ultimately what they need to see this season. Yeah, very well said. I also think... You look at Paolo and Franz and Cole and Jalen, this group is so mature too for their age. Like I feel like those guys would take what they learned from a playoff series and really go work their butts off in the offseason. And like they have the drive and the determination and the maturity to like really put their head down and, and learn some valuable lessons from that too. You know, there's some guys out there that maybe wouldn't be able to do that or, or have as many takeaways. But I, every time I've been like around Paolo or some of these guys, I've just been really blown away by not only like his physical, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's a beast he's, physically. He's bigger than you think he is. It's like, crazy like, when you stand like, next like, to him. You know, you know, like, like I remember like scouting him in college and I was just like, he's a big dude. And then the first time I saw him, I was like, oh, like he's a big dude. Like I hate know, to like make the comparison, but like, it's like the first time you stand next to LeBron. You're like, yeah. oh my gosh, like this is like a different, this that, that, that person, how did that, how is that a human and I'm a human? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like it's great. Like he's, he's crazy. But then also like the, the maturity uh, mentally and just like, you know, talking to him and just, he really gets it. Um, So sometimes you would, you know, think about a group this young. I, I really think they would be able to take away a lot from a playoff series and, you know, put the work in, in the off season, especially with the coaches and the supporting yeah. staff they have and, and everything and like, too. I, like I tell, I tell magic fans this all the time. Like, like 
you know, and this is a very magic specific reference. So for a national audience, you may not like get this. Mm-hmm. Like Dwight Howard was a beast in the playoffs for the Orlando Magic for several years. If you go back and look at his first playoff series in 2007, he averaged, I think it was what, 13 points, nine rebounds per game in a four game sweep to the Pistons. Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace beat him up. And I don't think Dwight becomes the player, the, the superstar player that he would become without getting beat up a little bit in those playoffs, without like understanding like, oh, the playoffs are a different animal. And, and like, you know, there are plenty of players who have been successful, obviously, early on and, and in their first playoff stints. Uh, so that's not an everyone experience, but a lot of players struggle that first playoff series and it teaches them a lot. It teaches them that this is a different animal and that it requires a different level of preparation, a different level of seriousness, and that everyone knows what you're going to do at that point. And so you have to be able to figure out a way to, you know, I always, I, I say this about playoffs all the time. The playoffs are about beating a team that knows exactly what you're trying to do and knows yeah. it forwards and backwards. And the, the great teams know how to beat that. Um, that's why they're great. Uh, and so that's something that young teams especially don't understand. Like, uh, the playoff book is a is a thing, and and the first time you get it, like I remember uh, in 2019, hearing like Evan Fournier and Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon talk about the Steve Clifford playoff book, and they were like, "Whoa, like what is this thing?" And it's just like, <laughs> "Oh no, that's that's the detail you need for this series. Like it's it's a, it's that important. It's that different." One of the things on this show, I always talk about like continuity, chemistry, some of like the most undervalued things in sports, but like playoff experience is up there too. Just the confidence that comes from, you know, being a playoff team and getting that experience, learning how to win and and also just kind of getting a taste for the postseason too and understanding what it's like to kind of have that and then know, okay, we need to focus our entire season about getting to that point and going deep on a playoff run. It's like the most important thing for a young team. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I appreciate you joining me to break down this team. Again, it's been so much fun watching this team, covering this team. I think you do a fantastic job, by the way. Like your questions to Jamal Mosley and the players are always fantastic. You know, you you always get so much excellent insight out of these players whenever, you know, you're asking questions. And I think you're around this team more than anyone. So I had to bring you on to talk about them. And uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much every day, right? You're basically part of the family at this point. I've been, I've been in the, I've been in the mud for a little bit with this with this team, like <laughs> like like they like I've I've seen some things. <laughs> well, you do a fantastic job. Tell everyone where they can find more of your work. Yeah, uh, the best place to find my work is at orlandomagicdaily.com. Uh, so you can follow you know follow follow the site there at omagicdaily. That's where I tweet a lot of my kind of in game analysis. Um, you can follow my personal account at philiprr underscore omd. And of course, check out my podcast. Uh, I'm the host of Locked on Magic. That's your daily Orlando Magic podcast. So if you ever want to pop in uh, and see how the Magic are doing, uh, I am. I'm usually uh, covering. I'm usually talking talking something there uh, uh, every every day, Monday through Friday, at least. There you go. And again, if you're a national fan or a fan of a different team, just throw throw a Magic game on League Pass. Watch them when League you Pass. can. They are so much fun. Like I'm telling you, I've talked to a lot of people and they're like, yeah, I really watch the magic and then I'll recommend them. And they're like, they're my new league pass team. I'm checking them out as much as I can. So they're a fun team and and it's just a really, really cool group to watch. And it's a great storyline too. I mean, like, like Phil said earlier, you know, it's always fun watching a young team kind of come into their own uh, and especially one that plays such a fun brand of basketball. So definitely check them out. And if you guys want to check out more episodes of Running Up the Score, we air them every Tuesday and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch on Twitter or X. You can watch on YouTube. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, thanks for watching. <laughs>